What made you get into trucking? Because I like to drive. I mean, my whole life I like to drive. It was good. Um, growing up, just, you know, 16, work all day driving with my dad and then go out and drive with the buddies at night. And, you know, it just led to that, right? So what about <clears throat> driving attracted you? Uh, probably the freedom to get out on the road, go where you need to go, do what you want to do, or just drive around aimlessly. So it sounds like when you're driving, you're kind of in that sweet spot. Yeah, I'm in my sweet spot. I'm in my own personal sweet spot when I'm driving. And the nice thing about trucking is that they pay you to drive, right? I don't have to pay money on my own vehicle or nothing. I get to go do what I want, right? And get paid for it. So it's a win-win situation. Definitely. How was it when you first started trucking? When I first started, it was hard. Like most back in the day, no one wanted to hire a truck driver without any experience, right? Even though I, I drove a truck and trailer in downtown Vancouver and delivered like alleys, this and that, had tons of experience, unless you actually have experience in the job, no one really wants you. I mean, because you think about it, at the time, a truck was like $150,000 plus a trailer on there. That was $50,000. And you want some guy who has two, three months experience bombing up and down the highway, you know, right? Now there's such a shortage in the industry that they just put anybody in the seat. So back then it was pretty competitive. Yeah, it, it, you had to have experience and time in the driver's seat that, to make it work, right? You know, like companies like Bandcam uh, wouldn't even look at you without five years experience. Yeah. How did you get into it then? <laughs> so... Uh, Luckily for me, I met this guy who was doing a shunting job, parking trailers. And I said to him, well, if you hire me, I guarantee you I'll stay for a year and a half. But I'm moving after that, right? I'm moving up to Kelowna. So he hired me, and I did. So I, I, my first year and a half of trucking was basically in reverse. I spent more miles in backwards than going forwards, right? That's pretty good, right? So then from then, I moved to Kelowna, and I had a year and a half experience, and just some local company named Comet picked me up and shot me out on the highway, out doing LTL, picking up deliveries and whatnot. And then a highway position opened up from Kelowna to Burnaby and back hauling for uh, them Canadian freightways, right? <clears throat> so I said, okay, yeah, I'll take it. I had never, ever in my life driven in the winter, in the middle of a blizzard, up over probably one of the most deadliest highways in all of Canada, you know, the Coquihalla, the Connector, the Panask. And, but I was like, shit, let's do it, right? So we head out, we ha and everything's fine. I drive down to Burnaby. We grab the trailers and whatnot. And you know, I'm thinking, oh, this isn't bad, right? You know, on the way back, it starts to snow heavily, right? But I figure if I'm going to do this, I have to get through this, right? You know, like if you want to be a big fish in a little pond, you, you know, you got to rise up kind of thing. So <clears throat> on our way back, we get up to the Panask and we're coming down the hill there. And uh, all of a sudden, oh no, this was a different night. My apologies. Anyways, we're coming down in, out upside Princeton on 5A there. And around the corner and the truck shoots out. It starts going sideways and whatnot. And the guy reaches across the steering wheel to grab the steering wheel. And I literally have to knock him back. I'm like, buddy, I got it, right? You know, like. This kind of thing. And, oh, it, it was kind of hair-braising, hair-raising, whatever. And then he, when we got up to the brake check there, he was like, oh, you want me to drive? And I was, like, so done with him for the last 30 kilometers. I was like, you could have killed us and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, 
reality is this kind of shit happens on the road all the time, right? Like you have to be prepared for that, right? The roads are icy. You run the roads. You're doing 100 kilometers an hour. You're moving, you know, whatever weight you have on your back. You have to be able to pay attention and react to situations, right? And that that kind of started my trucking career. So doing the route from Kelowna to Burnaby? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did that for a couple of years there for them, right? And just massive, you know, Always accidents and, you know, tons of stuff. So you learned a lot. <laughs> yeah. It seems your attitude, though, is perform in all conditions. You didn't. Exactly. Right. Where did you get that from? That's just me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what's the worst conditions you've driven in? Uh, I've driven in through blizzards, ice storms, frozen fog, you know, like... I, Ice roads, whatever. You, I like to drive, you know? You've I, done ice roads? Yeah. What's a common misconception about ice roads? Uh, it's not like it's see on TV. <laughs> right, like that. So what is it? Yeah. Well, see, in BC, ice roads are basically when you log, you drive out into the woods, there's no sanders, there's no plows, there's no nothing. They barely keep the roads open. You throw three sets of chains. And you drive in like 100 kilometers into the block through lots of ups and down terrains. And yeah, it's it's a lifestyle, right? And you do this for like <clears throat> five months a year until it basically starts to thaw. And then you get breakup and you get a couple months off to relax. And then you go back and do it again once things dry up in the summer. So the ice road, though, you're, what is it on? It's, you're, it's on gravel. It's like gravel, but it's basically ice. It's straight ice across it. Like, you, you wouldn't be walking on it. Like, you, I remember one day I was waiting for a truck to come up a hill. He's calling his numbers. And I'm sitting on the top there with a fully loaded 63.5. And it's on a minor slant. And as I'm sitting there, I can feel the whole truck's drifting towards the ditch. And then finally, I have to say to him, you need to, I need to get going, but I'm going to be in the ditch here, right? I'm sliding towards it. Right? And you know, we worked it on the radio, and I got around him, right, and got going and whatnot. So, so yeah. you had a, you communicated and he reciprocated immediately. Yeah, yeah, because we're on VHF radios, right? Okay, so yeah, so they call boards and numbers and stuff, so you know where all the trucks are at all the time. Yeah, so if you're coming up, you'd be like, "I'm empty at 20," and the guy loaded at 22, right? You usually put a couple numbers in. So what's or, 20 and 22, or yeah, or whatever, mm-hmm. or like sometimes they call empties on the odd numbers and loads on the even numbers, right? You know, there's depending on where you're at. What do the numbers mean? Kilometers. Oh, out. Uh, yeah, like of the road. Like I'm at kilometer 21, loaded, uh, coming down, right? Yeah. What was that 63.5 you said you had? That's like the legal weight of a Super B. 63,500 kilograms. Oh, 63,000? Yeah, that's how much they can pull. 500 kilograms. Yeah. And Holy. you're on an ice road with this guy. Yeah, with three bunks of logs. 13.6 in the air. <laughs> and sometimes you come down like crazy shit too, like 20% and things like that. Oh yeah, right? Like What's 20%? 20% steep. Oh, right? a 20% grade. Yeah, like grade down the hill, right? And you know, you may have to come up to be like be a cliff at the bottom of that. You pull a right on there. And, oh yeah, and stuff like that. And then run down. Yep. What's the technique for that? Uh take your time. <laughs> Right? Don't be in a rush. Put your jewelry on. Make sure it's all good. Right? Yeah. 
how scary is it for you when this is happening? Uh, honestly, I just kind of eat it up. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, adrenaline junkies, right? You know, I might be doing backflips in the air, but I guarantee you line up with that. <laughs> Crawl down a hill. You'll get some adrenaline shooting, right? So this stuff actually fuels you. Mm-hmm. Life should fuel you, right? Yeah, agreed. Yeah, and this yeah. is this is your this life. Is that's the fuel. Yeah, the fuel for my life. That's what makes it good, right? Okay. Well, then, what's the best part about trucking then? Just trucking. You know, it's trucking. Okay. So the best part of trucking for me is what I want to do, right? You know, it's maybe not what other people want to do. It's long hours and this and that, but I like it. I enjoy it. You know, I'm not afraid of my own company. Right? Yeah. Oh, you don't mind being alone with your own thoughts. I don't mind, right? I keep my own company. I'm my own best friend. I do my own stuff, right? You know? And that when I come into society or whatever you want to say, I return, I have friends there too, right? You know, it's like... What do you mean into society? So... Well, like, like say you're just kind of out on your own for three weeks, right? You're not really... You know, not now. I don't do that anymore. But like people, they go sometimes for months on end right? They don't see their loved ones. These are like mostly trucking companies down in the States. And then they come home for maybe a weekend or three or four days and they leave for a month or two again, right? You know, like that is a big part of the trucking industry, right? It's like... You have to be away from home for months at a... Sometimes, yeah. You know, if they want to make money, right? And, you know, especially being an owner-operator, you're always being pushed to get more, right? And your loads could lead you further and further away and then sometimes try to bring it back, right? So then you get paid by how far you go or what's the, how does it work? Well, as most truck drivers get paid by the mile or they can make a percentage of the load or uh, owner operators, they make more. Like say the average truck driver makes uh, 55 cents a mile or something like that. Now, which I don't know if that's accurate or not, but uh, owner operator would make 350 because he's got to pay for the diesel and you know all the maintenance on his truck and whatnot, right? And he assumes the insurance, the liability, and everything else, right? So the owner operator is the one he bought the truck himself, right? Yeah, exactly. And then what? So what's the other side? The other side is you're a company driver and you're driving their equipment. Okay, right. you, so you get paid the base, but you don't pay for the fuel. You don't pay for the fuel. You don't pay for anything other than your own food. What's the longest you've been on the road for? Uh, a couple of weeks, probably. Oh, yeah, and yeah. all that. Just I remember once I'd do a layover, and then I came back, and then I went back to Manitoba, and you know, it's all right. It was, you know, whatnot. What do you do when you're on the road for those two weeks? Oh, I, I just work. I mean, I literally listen to audiobooks and relax. At the end of my day, I go get one a meal at a restaurant, crawl into my bunk, wake up in the morning, and go do it all over again, right? So you just, there's no time for leisure. You just, you're just driving. Uh, yeah, like when I stop, I go for a walk or something, you know? Stop a couple times in the day, take 10-minute, 15-minute break, do some stretches, you know? But yeah, no, you want to make time. Like every minute stopped is like 15 minutes down the road kind of thing. Oh, yeah, right? You lose so much time when you stop. If you're constantly stopping, that's why people don't travel well, or it takes them so long, right? They're always stopping, right? So you prefer to just shoot straight Yeah, through. like, you know, have a pee and then go for like six hours. <laughs> you know, five, six hours, right? You know, get out. You know, like, I swear they invented brake checks just to get truckers to get out of their truck. You know what I mean? To walk around and, you know, 
make sure everything's good, right? And it's great, you know, have a pee, have a stretch, right? You know? What's a brake check? A brake check is like usually what they put in front of a, a steep grade hill, right? So when you come up to the top of it, they'll stop, they'll, uh, you have to, well, that's it, you stop. In the old days, you'd have to adjust your slacks, right? So they, now they have automatic slack adjusters that you can step on the pedal and adjust the slacks for a layman's turn. Back in the day, you'd have to crawl underneath the trailer with a 916 wrench, tighten it all the way up, then back it off half a turn, right? What are you tightening up? A uh, slack adjuster, right? To make sure your brake is uh, in parameters from the drum to the lining. Right? So you were, back in the day, you had to manually... Right, yeah. How many brakes would you have to manually do? Uh, well, it's like, if you had three axles on the back, you'd do six, right? However, now with new technology, it's... A switch no it automatically adjusts with air pressure you don't have to think about it no but you do need to set them up you do need to step on them and you know a few times here and that to get it to work right you can't just hold your foot on the brake and it'll do it for yourself right so what's the the process to calibrate your brake check uh full brake pump it three times and then let it go and don't touch your brakes for like 10 seconds or something, something like that <laughs> what happens if you don't do it? So your brakes, as they go, they expand further and further away, right? Because there's nothing to push on them if you didn't have that manual, right? So it just walk away. And eventually what will happen is your drum and linings will get so hot you'll have no brakes. And there'll be not be enough pressure between them when you push it down to stop, right? That's because they're too far away to begin too with. Too far away, right? Yeah. But now they got like disc brakes on trucks and like brakes have really changed. The, the trucking industry has gone ahead in some great ways and some poor ways and others, right? What's the poor way? California, they dictate the world's uh, environment like for your emissions. Not every, yeah, because of all their smog levels and that, they set a lot of this crazy shit in motion for trucks. Like the DEF, uh, diesel exhaust fluid thing, and oh yeah, right. So what's this diesel exhaust fluid thing? What happened? Uh, it was supposed to reduce more emissions out of trucks and make it, you know, whatever, more friendly. Reality is it just caused a lot of issues in the trucking industry, right? So what exactly is it that, what is it? <clears throat> it's, a, it's like a seventh injector that gets, shoots down on some stroke that burns off the emissions of the EGR that shoots it up the stacks. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's meant to reduce emissions. It's meant to reduce emissions, right? What so, problem is it causing? Uh, they just are defective. They crystallize in the machine. Or, like, the the actual stuff crystallizes in there. It causes a lot of issues, right? I'm not a mechanic. I yeah, just, yeah. I, but it's just constant issues with it. It freezes up. It's very temperamental, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you can't actually rely on the machine you're operating you can to a point, but at some point it's going to have some issues. I'm not saying it's like everyday issues, right? But I, I imagine a lot of these older trucks now that, because what did that come out in like 2012 that they started right around there, they started adding DEF, that no one wants to buy those older trucks. Yeah, I mean, they're done, right? People who are buying trucks are buying like pre-2008 and restoring them and putting them on the road because all they had is an EGR valve. They don't have to run DEF. They don't have to have a burner. They're not or You know, in any emissions laws, they're not, you know, violating. So then California said, fine, 
uh, no more trucks that into California that's not of this level or mm-hmm. this year or whatever it is. I think they just passed this liar. Where bad things are happening, how is it in Canada? Canada is pretty good till you get to Ontario. OPP is pretty strict on policy there. Trucks got to be governed to 105, can't have any emissions deleted, you know, and things like that. But west of that, that's eh, pretty lax, you know. That being said, you know, like BC, they're pretty, they can be hard on that kind of stuff, but you pretty well have to be an idiot to get there, you know, and forcing their attention and doing stupid stuff, right? Like running stacks with no mufflers and super loud Jake brakes and that kind of crap. They're going to pull you over. Right? Okay. You know, they don't want you waking up neighborhoods, right? Just because you think it sounds cool. <laughs> what? So there's actually modifications they do to make that oh yeah it's like well i mean trucks are like cars right they just take the muffler all the guts out of the muffler and they get super loud <laughs> what's the benefit of it that's what they want the oh. benefit is the noise right it's like harley's right you know they they gut out the muffler and then they're super loud right so you know officers when they pull them over they stick take their nightstick and they stick it in the muffler of the harley and if it goes all the way down Obviously, there's no muffler in there, right? There's no baffles to stop it, right? Kind of thing. When you're driving your your truck, you actually are customizing it for yourself. Oh, a lot of the owner operators do. They spend thousands and thousands. The guys live in these things. They're like apartments, right? Even down in the states, you can get bigger ones that aren't even. They're so big they're not even allowed into Canada. They won't fit on our highways. You know, they basically have like a one bedroom apartment behind the wheel. Oh. Or a bachelor suite. Yeah, yeah. So they're in it. They're in it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like showers and uh, toilets and you name it, right? The little fridge. I guess that makes it so it's easier to make less stops. Right. And if you're just some solo loner dude out there bombing down the highway, right? You got everything there. You know, all your creature comforts, right? Yeah. That's That reminds me of this saying where you know you're free when you can leave your front door and feel you've left nothing behind. Exactly, right? <laughs> What's the best part about driving? Oh, for me, it's the solidarity. I don't have to put up with a lot of people. Like, talking to me or in... Like, seriously, my job is cake in so many ways. For me, I get to sit all day on my bum, read, listen to audiobooks, and enjoy my life. I mean, I don't get mad in rush hour. It's just like life's life, right? You know? It's peace of mind, right? What do you mean peace of mind? Like peace of mind for me. Oh, like I, as in it it brings your mind to peace. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I gotcha. Right. Yeah. 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 When you're not driving mm-hmm. a truck yeah. and you see other truck drivers, yeah. how how well can you assess their, their skill level? Uh, depends on the situation. Like backing up, I mean, you go you'll know pretty quick if they know what they're doing or not, right? And whatnot. And like uh, for me, I don't know, but when I drive by other trucks, I'm, even in my own personal vehicle, I'm always looking at their trucks to see if like dump trucks, see everything's hooked up right, you know, and, and you find faults and whatever, right? And, but I mean, for the most part, I don't know, just, just backing up, I guess, yeah. Or like a really dangerous situation or, or road or whatever, you know, you'll see some guy doing some stupid stuff out there and, you know. They need them, though. That's the thing. They cannot stop these people from sitting in the seats because the world runs on trucking. They don't want to believe it or not. You know, 
nothing will happen if trucks stop, right? Like how many cities would basically be stopped, right? Or, you know, go hungry. Who can feed themselves anymore, right? Where's your medicine coming from? Where's, where's everything, right? Yeah. It, it all comes down to what, what we're used to. <laughs> right. And, and everything, trucking is the key, right? It's, you know, brings crops to the, from the fields. It's money to the bank. <laughs> Somewhere there's a truck. Yeah. Right? We, we never, we never see it unless it's kind of in our way or it's inconveniencing us. Exactly. Right. Then it's just, uh, there's a trucker ever in an idiot. Right. You know, you're this moron. Right. But they're saying that. And that's meanwhile, this guy's probably been up for 13 hours. He's drove over a thousand kilometers that day right and he's tired and he's you know a little frustrated and just probably at the end of his day trying to find a place to pull over have a decent meal maybe a quick piss a short walk right maybe call his family whatever and then go over and do it all over again right you know like truck driving requires dedication you know you have to be dedicated to do it and yeah, it seems it requires a, a right. certain level of dedication because mm-hmm. you're away from your home. Oh, yeah. I get go away for days and all that. Mm-hmm. But again, that's nice, too. Cause you get to just be by yourself. Peace of mind, right? Like I said, peace of mind. You've just finished a long trip. You get back home. Mm-hmm. What's your first thing you do? Uh, probably go have a shit shower shave. <laughs> Right? I mean, come on. That's humanity. You, you want to get the road off you. You you know, you know you're going to sit there for four or five days, right, at home or and relax. I mean, you truly want to relax while you're home, right? How do you get yourself ready for the next trip? I'm just ready to go. You know, I usually have a to-go bag and ready to go, yeah. In your to-go bag, what are some essential items you always keep on you? Oh, like at least three sets of clothes. Uh, what else? That's my, I have a traveling laptop, um, my phone charger, I get a wall plug-in, car plug-in, aspirin, you know, things that you might need, a knife, or sorry, not a knife, but a Leatherman, right? And, you know, it's just that kind of stuff, you know, things that you find useful, lighter. You know. What's something you carry now that you didn't used to? Oh, nothing. <laughs> everything's pretty i'm pretty well packed (laughs) your go bag stayed the same since you started trucking to the end oh basically yeah oh no well because i work city now i carry rain gear with me all the time yeah but i figured i might need it if i had to chain up here but there's no mountains to chain up for (laughs) i probably could reduce it a little bit (laughs) so currently you overpack right now i currently overpack right now yeah (laughs) much so because you're used to being on the road yeah you know what i there's nothing worse when something happens if you don't have the proper thing to do it right you know if you're gonna crawl underneath a truck on a rainy day and put on or a rainy snowy day in like two three inches of water you want rain gear you know to make sure you stay dry right Sounds like you've had this experience oh, before. Oh, many, many, many. In 18 years, many times. Many times. And, you know, it's even worse when you got a chain up in mud to climb up a hill. <laughs> right? You're just like three, four inches of mud. You're just right under there, just brown by the time you get out of there. <laughs> right? So you're approaching this hill and you, you realize, I got to... Oh, you just stop. You don't... Yeah, you stop before you even try to go up the hill. Right? You know, to throw your chains on. You want to find kind of a reasonably dry place because you know... That is so muddy and so 
moist that you're going to sink in there and yeah if you sink in there too, you won't get them on on the hill you will it'll just you'll be it's yeah no you prepare bef- before right yeah, that's the best always prepare before you get there right that's the first thing they teach you in trucking be like three steps ahead four steps ahead five steps ahead you know make sure you're always yeah you don't want to do shit as it happens unless, you know, it's like it's an emergency situation, right? To control the vehicle. So in this, in the schooling, they teach you preparations, everything. Uh, yeah, basically. Yeah. Well, at least they try to set your mind up. I mean, when I took my tr- uh, class one, there was like maybe 10 minutes or 10 lessons or two, not even that, maybe five lessons. Yeah. I think I did three times in the truck for, or once bobtailing three or four, trailers hauling around and then i took my license what's bobtailing oh no trailer on okay just driving the tractor right and getting used to moving it Mm -hmm. around yeah and shifting and whatnot yeah and then there's then you did the three with the the trailer on Mm -hmm. and then you have to do the license exam well so then i I, yeah and then uh a license guy came to the yard they walk you through your air brake course make sure you know all your air brake stuff and then they take you out for a driver's exam yeah how much pressure are you under when you're doing that exam oh like anything else right you know it was it was easy yet hard right yeah <laughs> yeah like i knew my stuff but at the same time you're threading do you know your stuff right you know and you know you just get through it right yeah what's threading threatening like like you know a threat you like you're threatening you know to yourself right oh yeah you're on you're on high alert yeah you're on high alert right you know kind of thing yep (laughs) what's a dicey situation that they'll throw you in during a test none they will never do anything like that because if it's something like that failed or happened then uh they'd be responsible right yeah 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 so it's a calm drive. Yeah. Now they've changed it, though. It's uh, a lot harder to get your license. You need, what, more hours and special time in the seat. and Yeah. And it's taking so long for people that are failing, like, three, four times to get back in that now they're complaining. Right? You know? And I'm happy. I mean, honestly, let's get these bad truck drivers out of the seats. Right? And that shouldn't be there in the first place. Because they took a, thought they could take a two-week class get their license and then go have a hundred thousand eighty to a hundred thousand dollar a year job. Right. And yeah, they're piling them up on the freeway and embarrassing the rest of us. Yeah. They're, <laughs> they're not taking it seriously. Right. Like we're they're just driving too fast and you know, it's zero experience. And the worst part is, is that like this company buys this truck, this guy crashes it. He, the company gets paid out for his insurance, buys another truck, puts another person in it and the company is like a vicious cycle right you know what i mean it just they keep their they're keeping going right the drivers are taking all the blame but yet they're not really i mean other than the punishment of losing the truck and having to wait for a new one or whatever right (laughs) yeah they continue on right you know because they're not looking at that that next level of the chain of command well they're just long as they got somebody to sit in the seat it doesn't really matter to them right you know kind of thing so and that's you know which kind of sucks because truck a lot of truck drivers have some really skilled people that and you know they'll never pay truck drivers what they're really worth right because if they did everybody would be broke and bankrupt there'd be no margin right you know as far as i'm concerned i think a truck 
Sorry about that. I thought I shut it off. <laughs> anyway, as far as I'm concerned, truck drivers are just as poor as doctors, right? You know, without us, you nothing would happen. We already talked about that, right? But you know what I mean? You know, sure, you might be able to stitch me up and put me back together. But if you had nothing to get to do it with, what are you going to use? <laughs> right? Yeah. What's, what's, what's all what that knowledge going to get you? No. Chicken or the egg? Yeah, exactly. Right? You know? Kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> it seems we all need each other, though, in that, in that cycle. Exactly. Right? You know? Put some value where the value is. Right? How is it when you're meeting people on the road? Uh, friendly. Most people are pretty friendly. Yeah, you know, that's the thing. They just want to say hi and bye, right? You know, grab your shit and go. And, you know, like deliverings, usually really good. People are, shippers are really friendly and whatnot. They, they don't want much, most people don't want much drama. They just want to, there's just so much trucking, drama in the trucking industries that they don't want drama, right? They're just hoping that people are just easygoing and get your thing. And yeah, it usually works out. But I mean, <laughs> If, when truck drivers are complaining, it's a normal day. It's when usually when they stop complaining, is when bad shit's happening, right? So, what's the top trucking complaint? Oh, I don't know. There's just like <laughs> like children. We just bitch about everything. <laughs> you give a man with unlimited time who sits on his ass and thinks all day, <laughs> right? I mean, like if he's not in a good place, he'll find him so much to complain about. <laughs> Yeah, if you're in your head, you'll find a multitude of things to, to think about. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just got nothing but time, right, you know? <laughs> time and open road. Right, right. Uh, what don't they teach you in the textbook? Uh, trucking. <laughs> they can never prepare you for your life on the highway. I mean, they can adequately assess your skills in the beginning sure but there's so much that happens out there that you need a lifetime to experience it does that make sense to actually earn those skills i mean to become you know lack of a better term but a red seal trucker right you know kind of thing to get five six years you know and know what you're doing to read the road and read the cars and the people around you and what they're doing and you know to be just, you know, completely safe on the highway, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they can teach you how to back up. Yeah. They can teach you how to shift. Yeah. But you're saying to read the road. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I'm saying is they can teach you all the basic skills, but you need to learn to drive. You need to learn patience. You know, you need lots of things, right? You know, keep a calm, cool mind, right? When the road conditions change, be aware of it, right? Not just half asleep at the wheel right know what where you're at in, in on the road like am i in three valley gap right okay well this is notoriously bad for icy section because of the weather change between these three points right and this is one of the most dangerous sections of all the highway in all of canada is three valley gap it has the most accidents and because of this condition right but <laughs> wildly known do you think people slow down and give it a chance no, they rip through there all the, all the time, right? And then that shit happens, right? And they pay the price. <laughs> you know? What's this Three Valley Gap? It's where three mountains meet, right? So it has like a, a different um, atmospheric, whatever, weather does right there. So it'll go from a warm road to a completely icy road. So it has its own weather yeah. system. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. It has an, a nice shady area there 
it'll be super hot in one area and then shady and be iced right over. And then you come around the corner. Next thing you know, you slide into the ditch or off into the ravine or whatever's around there. So people know this. Oh, yeah. And this is the one where yeah. you're going to be reading the road. Oh, for sure. You, yeah, you're paying attention. You're going through there. Yeah. Yeah, from Revelstoke to uh, Sycamus, you want to pay attention. All right. Yeah. yeah. When you're saying you read the road, what things do you look for? Conditions, I guess. Wet, snowy, muddy, you know, is it slippery, <laughs> right? That kind of stuff, you know. But if you're tr transitioning from, say, a paved road to a dirt road, you know you're going to be, you know, have a lot less more stability. You'll be drifting around a lot more, right? So you want to be a little more affirmative on the steering. So it sounds like it's just basic knowledge, but you, for a tr for as you as a trucker, you have to hone it to a different level. Yeah, yeah. Well, you are hauling a, a considerable amount of weight. You're driving a vehicle that's, what, eight foot six wide, right? You know, thir and then 13, six in height, usually with the stacks, and probably 80 feet long with the truck and trailer right around there, you know, 53 foot on it, and then that on your truck, right? So... Yeah. yeah, you know, you should probably pay attention to what you're doing, you know, and know what you're doing. <laughs> you, say, you say probably as if there's people who don't. Oh, they don't. Well, like I said, it's a horrible industry. And the thing is, is more and more about younger generation don't want to do it, right? You know, they don't want to put in those long, loud hours or whatever. And they found different ways to make money than the old traditional ways and things like that. So, yeah, you know, they're willing to put anybody there, even younger people. Like 20-year-olds down in the States, there. I heard them talking about this once. And they're like, who wants to put a 20-year-old behind a 60-truck fully loaded headed down the highway, right? Like, that's not the most responsible thing, right? But I, can some do it? I'm sure, right? I'm sure there's people out there. But me at 20? Hell no. I would have probably flipped that thing five, six times, right? You know? <laughs> I, mean, I was a driver and crazy driver and, you know. But I, I've slowed down since I've... When I was 30, when I got my license, I, yeah, I, I have no tickets. I have a good, clean record. I do my best to, you know, be law-abiding and, yeah. So, sounds like you hit it at the right time, though. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. No, this was actually about two years ago or three or four years ago, laws started to change. It seems the whole world is changing here rather quick, so you better lock it down quick or you might not be able to do it in any profession, <laughs> right? Yeah, the qualifications or the criteria for qualifying is getting more, more, and, more, and, more and more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the, what's the biggest lesson that trucking's taught you? Oh, patience. It's got to be patient. I mean, you have to. If you're not patient, you'll never be a good truck driver, right? I mean, if you're going to drive endless miles across like provinces, countries, or whatever, right? Like you're never going to get there in a day. Right, no matter how fast you drive, right, and then you're putting yourself at risk, you're putting your freight at risk. You know, if you're an owner operator, you're literally throwing your uh, fuel up the stuff, you're bur losing money because you're burning more fuel, right? You know, like trucks are aerodynamically made to be driven at 100 kilometers an hour, 62.5 miles an hour. That's where they test them in wind tunnels and to get the optimal fuel performance and this and that. So if you're constantly driving over that barrier, right? You're just losing money if you're not patient and be able to just sit there and enjoy the ride you're never going to be a good truck driver yeah so you yeah. need to just have that fortitude that this isn't mm -hmm. this is not a sprint this isn't a sprint it's an endurance race yes <laughs> how soon into your career did you learn that uh 
I learned that. Well, I had kind of already knew that before I got there, but like in my twenties, I learned that. You know, I came from the states and I came from a small town with nobody there, and you know, traffic was uh, basically non-existent. So you could kind of whip around, rip around, do whatever you want. And then I came to Vancouver, and uh, like I said, I was pulling this truck and trailer, big truck, big trailer, right? And all of a sudden, I was starting to get really mad all the time, and I started getting these belts of road rage, you know, and stuff. And, uh, you know, I just have to ask, I said to myself one day, is this really going to be like this, to be a truck driver and drive all this? And, you know, you can't live your life like this. And from that moment, I kind of changed my life from that on. Yeah, you know, just calm down, wait it out. Like, what can you do, right, you know? So in a day, you made the decision to change your yeah, entire outlook. I'm pretty good like that. Yeah. When I decide to make my, when I make decisions, I make decisions. Yeah. One and done. One and done. Yeah. Then I quit smoking. I've only ever quit, successfully quit smoking once in my life. And I'm still not smoking. <laughs> well, that's, that's the one time. <laughs> that's the one time right there, you know. <laughs> what made you decide to quit smoking? I was going to die if I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Or die at a young age. So, yeah. No, I was like two packs a day, smoking in the truck, doing nothing, sitting on my ass. Could barely walk around the block. Yeah. The doctor said I was going to be on oxygen. Quit smoking. And then I, he said, you're probably not going to have much of a life. So then I started swimming and I got all my lungs back into shape, back in health. Fuck it, I'm healthier than most people, right? But I still have emphysema and I still have the onset of that, right? Yeah, whatever. I, I did my part. I got back out. He was impressed. He was very impressed in how well I took care of myself. Because most people, when they get that bad news, they give up. They just submit, right? Not, oh, well, we'll see about that, right? <laughs> you took it as a challenge. Yeah, right? Oh, yeah, right. You know, yeah, I'm like, I'm 48. I, don't, I know I, people tell me all the time I don't look 48. I look younger. And I, I like to think it's because I've had a pretty happy, positive life and, you know, I work out, I do my own thing, I believe in myself, I'm proud of myself, right, you know, I think these are qualities that everybody should have and they make it, just make you a better person, right, you know? Yeah, definitely. And you believe in them, right? Yeah. So. Where'd you learn to get more positive? Uh, just for myself, you know, just books and, yeah, books, basically. Yeah, I mean, that, the that, more you read, the better off you really are, right? Yeah. Yeah, supposedly yeah. you're the yeah. average of the five people you hang out with and the books you read. Exactly, right? And all that. Yeah, no, I was always that kind of that person growing up, always looking at myself, right? So So you're always self-assessing. Yeah, yeah. This is a, <laughs> this is a quality I possess, I guess. <laughs> Hard on myself some days, you know. <laughs> nice to myself others, right? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're all trying, though. Oh, yeah. You know, I basically raised myself. So it's like, uh, you got to kind of keep yourself together, right? So Yeah. yeah, yeah. How, how'd you raise yourself? What happened? Oh, uh, well, it's not like my family wasn't there or anything. But, you know, I, they were just doing their own thing, right? So I just did. I doing my own thing. So. And in the end, uh, when we were like 20, we kind of all went our own separate ways. You know, my parents went down to the States. My brother went to the States and... Or they're in the States. They never left. I came up here and yeah, I mean, we're just not very close and we do our thing, right? So, I gotcha. But I made like, so when I left at like 18 or something from the house, I just had to figure it out for myself, right? And 
yeah. here we are today. Right? Definitely. Yeah. And you took it into your own hands, though. Exactly, right? You know, I uh, didn't sit around wasting time, right? You know, I maybe a little. When I was 30, I, I started to see my friends growing up a lot more than I was. And I'm like, well, then, <laughs> this isn't going to do. <laughs> we have to do a little more in life. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Well, you made, but you made that decision as opposed to sulking. Yeah. Exactly. Right. I mean, salt. What does sulking ever get you? Nothing. Right. I mean, that was one thing. I my life I always. Well, others were trying to bitch and find their way to get out of it. I would just get it done. Right. You know, my brother would be always be whining and complaining, and I'd go get it done, and then he said, "Well, can Rob help me do mine?" <laughs> like he'd pull me right in. I'm like, "You bugger!" Right? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, your power through attitude has carried you pretty far. Then yes, yeah, yeah, and the know. adaptability. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? You know, I like to think attitude is key to life. Right? So, hundred percent. Yeah, we're all climbing the mountain. <laughs> yeah, we're all trying to get to the same place. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> When you're on the, the road then, what, what do you come back to thinking of when you're driving? Oh, to be honest, I like almost like I switch my brain off when I'm driving. <laughs> like yeah, I listen to audiobooks. When I get into my book, I mean, I'm literally like in autopilot. And a lot of people are like this, you know, especially when you're, you're driving endless kilometers, right? It's not like you're not there, but you are there. Does that make sense? You're just going through the motions. I mean, well, should... I don't know if you're going through the motions. You're, you said you, you're assessing, so you're actually in a flow state, probably. Oh, yeah, right? probably a flow state or whatever. But I mean, I'm sometimes like on a really nice, clear day is like, shit, when did I go through Brooks? You know, like, oh, and then I have to start thinking back and I'm running it through my mind because I'm in Medicine Hat and that was like an hour and a half ago. And I'm like, oh yeah, okay, I remember that, that car. And then, you know, I, you know, playing the video of my, my mind back, right? Like literally, oh yeah, I, I travel really well. I make really good time on the road. Yeah, good consistent time though. Good consistent time, yeah. I can make Winnipeg in two days from BC. There and back and four. And there and back and four? Yeah. Yeah. Drop my load, pick up a load, and back in BC in four days. Vancouver on the coast. How do you manage your fatigue or what are you, what, what are you doing? Oh, that's like, I don't know, that's 1,400 kilometers or something a day each way. You want to like make sure, oh, I'm good. I just, uh, I, I listen to my book. Like seriously, I put, I can get into the state of being, right, where I'm just flowing down the highway. You're right? accepting what comes. I accept and- what comes and I just yeah i i don't make any qualms i that i have to go i have to make these trips there's no restrictions you know i look forward to it right you know like when someone says oh i gotta drive to calgary and then they start pouting oh it's six hours away oh no and this and that i'm like six hours let's go (laughs) (laughs) yeah i got a friend in uh cold lake and uh, she was like yeah well we'll we'll split it up and i'm like well why don't we just go to your house she's like but it's four and a half hours away i'm like not even a quarter of a day, right? Like I could, I'll leave it like six. I'll be there ten thirty. No problem, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're right? designed for this. Yeah, I am made to, for this. It's not a big deal for me to sit on my ass and drive. <laughs> like someone says, oh, it's like half an hour down the road. So far, I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> the hop's giving a jump, buddy. <laughs> right. So your perception of distance and time now are mm, different. Very different. Yeah. Right, like. I ride my bicycle a lot, right? And uh, so if everybody thinks, oh, 10 kilometers, that is so far. 
on my bike, I can literally ride 10 kilometers probably in 10 minutes or 10, 15 <laughs> minutes. You know what I'm saying? Like, it is nothing. You know, when you ride like 30, 40 kilometers an hour on your bicycle, right? It, you eat up so much distance so fast, right? Yeah, definitely. You know, you, the average person doing nothing could probably ride about 20, 25 kilometers on, an, on a bicycle. Like, distance, yeah, and time, yep. yeah. What's a far distance for you to drive? Um. Oh, like if I was owner up, like once you get past under the prairies, you can do 110. So that, that changes the whole dynamic of how far you can drive in a day, right? Because you got you to gotta pay attention to So say you, uh, the speed limit's 110. So, I mean, realistically, you can drive 14 hours. So you could do 1,100 kilometers on 10 hours. And then your next 400 would be. So you could drive 1,550 kilometers legally if you did not stop from one end of there to that, right? But, I mean, you got to stop a few places, get off the gas. So I never really tried to push it more than 1,300, 1,400 kilometers if I, as long as the conditions were right, you know, yeah. and this and that. Yeah. So that's how you managed it. Wait, right. you said it's illegal? Is legally the speed limit's 110, yeah. right? Like, because when the DOT checks your books, they're going to figure out your kilometers and figure out if you were ripping or not, or if you're trying to get pulled up, you know. Yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll eyes, do the math. Right? They do the math. They're not dumb, right? So, their whole job is to take money from truck drivers. So. <laughs> <laughs> or so it feels. No, no. That's their whole job, <laughs> right? They don't attack corporations or the, the trucks that are guys are being forced to go out and doing it, right? They literally go after the drivers in the seats. So, so what's the D, when does the DOT, what do they check or what happens? Uh, they check everything. They make sure the trucks are safe on the road. I mean, they have a, an important job. Don't get me wrong. They remove a lot of garbage and stuff like that. They make sure you're not over hours or, you know, you're running legally, right? Yeah. So yeah. they'll stop you or where do you, oh, yeah. where do you so run you, into so like them? Say you just roll up to a scale and then, oh, well, you know, you got, I don't like that way that light's licking. So uh, I'm going to pull you over here and we're going to give you a level one and I'm going to run through your whole truck and uh, I'll tell you what I find. And then if I don't find anything, you're free to go. If I do find something, depending on what it is, I'm going to write you a sizable ticket and uh, then I might let you go or you might have to get your truck towed out of here. This happens at a regular scale. There's a, a yeah. DOT person oh, yeah. waiting for you. Yeah, there could be. You never know when you pull into a scale, right? So if you're driving an older model truck, or odds are you, you're probably going to get a few level ones. Like they now have, uh, like down in, uh, bank, sorry, or is it Nordell scale in Lower Mainland, then they put in two shops with two pits so they can drive two fully loaded semis in and do indoor inspections on them. It's a big deal. Right, BC's really likes to make money at the DOT, yeah. But at the same time, they do take junk off the road, so that's a good thing. So they'll do these like uh, inspection weeks, right? And then you'll see like I don't know, thousand East Indian driver trucks off the road because they don't want to go through there because they know if they do, they're gonna get pulled in, and then some guy's gonna run through their truck, and if the truck's not up snuff, they're not gonna run. Oh, they'll just pull you right off the road. They'll pull it right off the road, right? And it'll force you to go get all this work done before you can go. If not, you're done, right? So what makes this that you have to stop at a scale? What's that? Uh, it's mandatory. So there would be a sign that says scale open. If it says open, you have to pull in and go across it. You can't bypass it. It's illegal. Yeah. I mean, you can drive around them if you know how to drive around them through roads and stuff, as long as it's illegal, right? And people do that all the time. 
you know. So what's the purpose of the scale? Uh, to weigh the truck to make sure that all the axles are a legal weight to run on the road. So they do less damage to the road or, or also to make sure that they're paying enough insurance for the license on the weight they're hauling. I mean, there's lots of things. Like, uh, do they have their IFTA ticker on there? So, that, you know, the fuel and, right? Are you displaying your company number? Your how much you're insured to weigh? Right, like there's a lot of things. So they're checking you to make sure you're not too heavy to go on that yeah, personal exactly. that piece of road. Yeah, exactly. So if you're like five thousand pounds over on your drive, so you know they could pull you in and write you a ticket. And then what do you do now that you're five thousand pounds over? Well, I would move my fifth wheel, and hopefully I could space it out and not take too much onto my steers or you know, kind of thing. What do you mean you move your fifth wheel? So you have a fifth wheel plate that connects to the, the trailer, right? And so you would, you would move the fifth wheel back. Or sorry, yeah, you'd slide the trailer towards it. So you'd want to bring more weight onto your steering axles. You're allowed 5,500. Trying to take off the weight off your steers or oh, off your tandem. Off the rear end. Yeah, off your rear, right? That kind of thing to bring it up. So you can shift the weight to more... Uh, near the engine right yeah you can move basically yeah the distribution yeah. of weight distribution of weight you can kind of transfer around and on the it depends on the trailer you can move the rear dollies on the back of the tri-drive too to, to yeah, set it up for distribution because when you move these points they create different weights oh so it's not about the total weight of the vehicle it's about the distribution of the weight yeah it's distribution distribution so you have you know 5500 on your steers, uh, 17,000 on a tandem, two sets of axles. And then if it's a tri-dry on a trailer, it's 24,500. Okay. Or 25,000, I think. Per axle. Yeah. No, for those, that, that group set. Oh, for the group of three. Yeah, and, then and tandems too. Just to preserve the road. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But like I said, it's a moneymaker. <laughs> it really is a moneymaker. Because... Who pays that ticket? Not the company, not the shipper, not the receiver, the truck driver, right? Because it's his responsibility to know in the first place. Okay. Right. So you you can make that adjustment on the fly at the scale. Uh, you probably don't want. Okay, so if you're really overweight and you know you're really over, you don't want to drive over that scale. You're just giving them money, right? So you would either go back to the warehouse or find a private scale. And then you'd kind of adjust, then you go on your way, right? Yeah. In what instance would you be driving overweight then? You're not, most of the time you're not driving overweight, right? No. But like if you were, it would probably be like machinery or something heavy or like hauling logs or coal or things that you can't really weigh very adequately before you put them on the truck. No, like what well, huge trees or, you know, whatever. That increment you're going to get. Right, yeah. They try to set up scales or they set up air gauges so they can look at the air gauge and, oh, okay, well, it's at 65 pounds. So that's pretty close, right? You know, and they just eyeball it, right? And most scales, like logging towns and that, as long as you're really in range, because they know that if you don't bring in your weight, you're not making any money either, right? Like there's such a small margin for profit in there that they have to play ball too, but... Where they're going to get you is if you're grossly overweight, you know. So say you're bringing like 72000 back, right, instead of sixty two five, because you want the profit from the mill, right? Uh, yeah, they're probably going to ding you on that, right? Yeah. But they'll yeah. give you grace for, hey, I'm a little over because well, I'll say you're, Yeah, like you were 
four, you know, instead of 65, right? Oh, okay, just roll on through, right? You know, kind of thing. Yeah, I yeah. gotcha. Yeah. So then that that's the reason you have to weigh because you don't weigh when you pick up the logs. No. And that's what we're talking about before. You said yeah. you can get paid by miles. Yeah. Weight. Weight. Load percentage. Or, or load yeah. percentage. Yeah, yeah. So what's the load percentage? So like, uh, say they, I don't know, for lack of argument, you know, you take a run for a thousand bucks, right? And then when the company, everything, you get 87% of that. So you would get $870. Oh, of the, 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 of the, the cargo, of yeah, the value yeah. of the cargo. The value of the trip. Okay. So you get value of the trip yeah. or you get the weight, which is normal. Weight would be like uh, logs or coal or, or mostly logs. I've never heard on coal, but so weight. Yeah. So they, you would get a percentage of that. So you would. Whatever it is, uh, like twenty percent or uh, yeah, of, of it doesn't the, matter the percentage, but right, I mean, yeah, th- yeah. these are just the three avenues that you'd actually get paid exactly. as a trucker. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and all that, and then there's hourly too. Oh, interesting. Yeah, a lot of companies are going to hourly. It's slowing people down, and you know they're not rushing as much anymore. And with e logs now, um, electronic logs, because it, it's mandatory that they're in there now. That. Hourly, you're only going to pay them so much anyways, right? You know, and instead of these guys trying to run massive miles and short amount of time, right, and get paid for it. So, yeah. Yeah. Because that time, it's just, mm. either way, I'm going to be driving. Right. When you're on hourly, everybody just takes their time. I'm getting paid by the hour. Where am I in a hurry? Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so is hourly a, a good shift for the trucker? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Hell Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope one day they actually make it like a Red Seal trade and, you know, like they put more to it than what it is, right? Because I, I think they should. They really should. Yeah, but yeah. then, then that, that makes it so there's more qualified drivers as well. Right, you know, and it would actually, you know, then they could pay truck drivers accordingly, right? Instead of, that's that's the issue now. It's like, you know, some companies pay $23 an hour. <laughs> some companies pay $40 an hour, right? Like. You know, there's no standardization. There's no standardization. It all depends on your experience, what you're willing to do, and this and that. And yeah, oh. yeah. Is that's the that's the direction you hope trucking goes to? Uh, yeah, I hope it be. It all goes hourly e logs and more. You know, like whatever. Yeah. So hourly hit the e logs and then actually get the qualifications a little right. higher. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, sort of qualification thing. Yeah. Like, they do it with every other trade. Why isn't this a trade? Yeah, that makes sense. You know. Yeah. It's, I guarantee I put just as much hours in as any other trade out there, right? You know, if not more. Like sometimes I like to say I've worked two people's lifetimes already. Like when you're working 70 hours a week, right? You know, for like 15 years, you know, 18 years, right? I, yeah, you're just fucking bombing along, man. You're not exaggerating. That's literally yeah. double. Yeah, exactly, right? You know, and they expect that, right? So. Oh, the truckers. They expect you to put in your, you know, 13 hours driving and one hour on duty, right? So a 13-hour shift is expected. Yeah. You're long hauling. Yeah, you got to make those miles, right? There's no sitting around. You got to go. So there's a lot of pressure to actually get that in. Pressure if you, I guess you're a new truck driver or whatever, but the longer you do it, that pressure exceeds, right? Because you know you're going to make it. And if you're not going to make it, you're going to phone him and tell him right away, right? You know, you're not dicking around, you know? I don't, anyways. I uh, I do my thing. Right? Yeah, when well, you you're know? not going to take that toll, you're just going to make that call. Right, right, right. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. All right, man. Well, what should we call it? Yeah, my voice is, I was just thinking, my voice is starting to get soggy.